0: Just do it. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yesterday you said tomorrow. So just do it. Make your dreams come true. Just do it.
1: This episode is brought to you by ThinkNear. Their location score platform delivers the most accurate location targeting available on mobile. Visit them at locationscore.com. And by Paulin Access your App Store revenues faster and fund user acquisition straight away. To sign up, go to pollen.vc.
2: Welcome to
0: This
3: Week in Location Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif
2: Khan.
1: It is time for This Week in Location Based Marketing. This is episode number 236. We're recording this live June 1st. That's Monday, June 1st, 2015. First day of June. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, in the eastern time zone. So we're beginning our day. It's about 9 a.m. Eastern time right here. And with me, as usual, it looks pitch black where you are, Asif. You're not in Toronto.
3: No, that's because it's the night. It's the night. The first day of June is already done. You missed it. I missed it. Uh, Where are you, Asif? I am in Singapore. Singapore. Yeah. Getting ready for the uh, CommunicAsia uh, conference. Man,
1: I feel I feel your tiredness.
3: I, dude, <laughs> I'm, I'm so exhausted right now. It is, yeah. I can't even, yeah. I can barely talk. This
1: might be the episode where Asif actually falls asleep during the episode. Yeah, yeah. it is possible. It I've is been quite up for uh,
3: over 24 hours now. <laughs> so it's yeah.
1: either going to be the best episode or the worst episode you've ever seen. Something like that could be that. I see it. There's a great reflection almost in the back. Where you, is is that the reflection? Is that outside right there? That's you're in pitch black right now.
3: Yeah. The, well, there's this patio behind me with the. uh It's hard. You can't see it, but the Marina Bay Sands Convention is out there. The skylines over there. I mean, I could get up and show it to you if you want to see
1: it. Well, it's, you know, it's one of those things. Is that uh it's actually beautiful. Like, go, go, show us, show us. Well, we can.
3: Yeah, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. Here we go.
1: Look at that. There you go. Look at that. That's there is Singapore at night, ladies and gentlemen, live. I love it. Is it warm there?
3: There you go. All
1: right. Is it warm there, Safe? That is amazing. Okay. Is it warm?
3: It's very warm. It's about 30 degrees and it's 9 o'clock at night. Yeah,
1: according to my uh, my my wonderful Apple Watch here, it is uh, it is ten degrees in Ottawa, which is freezing. Ten degrees. Uh, you know, yeah. my my only I've been to Singapore a number of times, but my favorite uh, story of Singapore is um, it was uh, I think it was 1993, uh, and uh, I was uh, in Asia, and uh, Bruce Springsteen dropped uh, Human Ta- Human uh, Human Touch and Lucky Town, the double album uh, solo album set, and and I. I it was launched in the early in the year and i couldn't get to it until i got to singapore so i, I landed in singapore slept because I, I got here maybe 11 p.m or 11 30 p.m at night uh slept and then the first thing i did i woke up like Like the earliest I've ever woken up on that trip and raced to a mall to go and buy it and then I bought the cassettes because I had an old uh, Walkman back in the day, right? And I bought the cassettes and I had to go and I sat and I asked if I could sit in the record store in one of those giant malls in Singapore and I just sat there and I played it over and over and over and over again for like two hours. I just listened to them back to back and then for the next nine months I didn't listen to anything else. Just Human Touch and Lucky Town. That's my Singapore story. And my mother sent me uh, a care package and in it... Was chewing gum, and I thought, <laughs> "I'm breaking the law." You're a bad boy. I'm breaking the law. I've imported an illegal substance into Singapore—chewing gum. Anyway, yeah, welcome, Steve. I'm glad we could do this, man. I'm glad uh, you could uh, find the time. It's crazy. You just got off a plane. You just checked in. We're gonna get through this as quickly as possible, and that usually means me not not talking as as much. So, got a number of of stories, but before we, we well, before we do that, we got a great guest in uh, Trevor. It's uh, Trevor Longino uh from contact.io and uh we've uh we've got our 10 stories but before we do that what, what's what's going on in your world
3: well i was uh i was in sweden last week and that <laughs> was uh that was great it was uh we had uh three events actually in uh in a couple of days uh i flew into uh copenhagen and the short little ride across over to uh to uh malmo which uh which is a fantastic city I've never been there it's the third biggest city in sweden and, uh, we had an event there, uh, in the evening with, uh, in partnership with the Dutch Chamber of Commerce. And that was, uh, that was just awesome. We had a good turnout, um, great discussion with folks, lots of questions. It was, it was the usual, uh, you know, ni- nice crowd that was, uh, engaged and interested. So that was good. And then, uh, hopped the flight that, that same evening, um, because, you know, like, you know, why stay in town for more than, you know, a cup of coffee? So we flew from there over to Stockholm and, uh. Had two events the next day, um, and, and a few meetings in between. So, uh, great, great event in the morning at uh, at a creative, uh, uh, creative agency that's focused on retail called Workshop. Obviously, you know we're doing a lot in retail. Uh, they're doing a lot in retail, so it was a good fit. They brought a bunch of their clients and, and folks out, so that was a fantastic uh, discussion. Uh, and then in the middle of the day, got to have lunch uh, with, with this uh, with this great company. Um, named, uh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but I'm going to say Tretton uh, 37, Tretton 37. They're like a uh, management consulting IT uh, shop uh, doing uh, some work in location. Uh, And so they wanted to get together and talk about beacons and all that stuff. And they watched the podcast show um, and they know we've been having lots of discussions about pizza and, and the best pizza ever. And so as I arrived, they handed me what they claim is the best pizza in all, um, you know, because they wanted to make sure I had that that experience based on our, our discussions on this show. So thank you, gentlemen, Frank and Mike, for getting together on that um, and making that happen. Uh, much appreciate it. And the
1: pizza it was a Red Fellas, right? I'm looking at the picture right now. Yeah, it's Red Fellas. Yeah. So Red Fellas. Yeah, we got a couple of we only got a couple of people who, who uh, pushed uh, positive uh, pizza news to to us. So I guess it, you know, Gabriels and uh, and the Colonnade Pizza and uh, Red So hey, that's it. I guess no more that's good it. pizza.
3: Yeah. So, uh, anyways, good, very productive trip to Sweden. Uh, lots I expect will be coming out of that. And then uh, obviously I'm over here for uh, the Communic Asia uh, conference, which is a huge deal. We have a big half day uh, worth of content going on. Wednesday, uh, actually quite a few of the LBMA folks are over here, Karsten from Germany, um, one of the guys from Australia, so we're, we're all hooking up tomorrow morning as well. So it should be a good week. Um, and then next week, uh, we've got two, uh, two, well, three events actually happening. On Monday, I'll be in Boston for the MIT forum is hosting an event that evening, uh, uh, obviously just on location-based marketing with a good panel. Uh, of folks there. And then uh, on Tuesday, I'm heading over to New York for uh, the Place Conference, uh, which is during the day. And then in the evening, we have our own LBMA New York chapter event on Tuesday evening. So I will be uh, Boston on Monday, New York on Tuesday, home on Wednesday, not going anywhere for uh, at least uh, about, uh, well, Maybe six, seven days, something like
1: that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, because you've had but a cup of coffee at home. Like you literally flew from Europe back home for your daughter's birthday on Saturday. Got on an airplane Sunday morning, and now you're in Singapore. Yeah, yep, yeah. That's pretty much it. You're flying there till Friday. Well, kudos, Zasif. Uh You are a stronger man than I.
3: Yeah, Keep I'm not, not feeling it right now, though. I'm, feel, I'm feeling like so tired right now. I'm feeling so weak, I'm which is so like you know, like well.
1: Anyways <laughs> well, uh, this week um, there are 10 great stories and I said we've got a great guest that Steve got to sit down actually with uh, Trevor and that'll come a little bit later in the episode. The great thing about this episode is that we've got some great explainer videos that do a lot of the explanation of the pro- of the uh, story. So we're just I'm gonna roll a bunch of these and um, and so it's gonna save on us talking. It's going to allow us to get through the episode in record speed and uh, and then we'll let us see if get, get some get some sleep. How's that sound?
3: Thank you.
1: Yeah, so, that sounds good. All right. Anything else to say before we start uh, rolling out the stories?
3: No. I just I don't understand why the Blue Jays have to lose by one run over and over again. Like like if you're gonna get beat, just get beat. Like don't lose by one run and like give us this hope that you're gonna come back. No, I don't get it.
1: Well, no, it's just because you know it's it's the mark of a good ball club is the one run victories, right? That's the yeah. mark of a good ball club. That's how the Yankees Not won but- all those World Series tell the Jays no. did it
3: whenever they did it back in back when I was in my 20s, right? 92 93. been I think we're like something like uh, there's been I, I read something the other day. it's something like uh, 15 or 16 one run games that they've been in and they've lost like 11 of them. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, it's the Jays, man. Don't get your hopes up. It's like it's like the the Leafs. I don't understand like, what what tr- tr- that
3: division series is like like they're in last place pretty much, and they're only three and a half or four games out at first. So. I know, because, yeah,
1: the Yankees are in the lead of a game over 500. It's a terrible division. Yeah. But I'll take it. Anyway. First first to worst. My team's in go. first. Yours is not. All right. Uh, and I think that's what it's going to be like next year in Toronto for uh, the NHL season as well. Yeah. 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 All right, well, what do you say? You like, no more no more sports coming? talk. We're going to jump right into it. Uh, and here are the top 10 stories of the past week. And I get to start. Hold on one second. The last thing we have to do is listen to a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get into the top 10 stories. I promise. So here is our sponsor, Thinknear. One of our sponsors here is Thinknear. They figured out that the more accurate an ad is, the more effective it becomes. Then they built a company that does just that. One of their clients is Jeep, that iconic Chrysler brand of SUVs. They hope to prove that targeted ads made a difference on dealer visits. I talked to Brett Cohn, VP Marketing for Thinknear about the results.
4: It is we set up two test groups for Jeep. A test group with unfiltered location data, meaning it's coming straight from the publishers and not being scored at all. And we had a scored test group where we put it through the location score platform and filtered out only down to the most accurate data.
1: Here is the difference between the scored and the unscored inventory. It is
4: staggering. 94% of the impressions were delivered in the target area. For the unscored data, only around 29% were delivered in the target market. So it just shows you how impactful that location accuracy can be in terms of reaching your audience. We saw a cost per dealer visit that was 35% lower when we used good data, it, it really drives on the point that if you've got accurate data, you're going to deliver a more engaging and relevant ad to the user base, and they're going to react to it better. They're going to visit dealer lots more frequently. They're going to engage with your brand. And if you're not using accurate data, it can actually have a negative brand experience in that people are not getting relevant ads. And not only does your campaign performance suffer, but it can actually have a negative brand impact.
1: Think near the reason you bought that jeep and now back to the show all right the first story is about coffee and as we've been sitting here i think that you know before we started you started yawning a bunch of times and, and then i started yawning and i watched this video which i'm about to play for you and i started yawning and and obviously they say that there's a statistic that says that people uh, actually when they see somebody yawn 70% of us actually yawn as a result of that so here is something they call the contagious billboard it's for a coffee company called cafe pele and uh, this is this is actually a very 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 good advertising campaign and i don't even have to explain it but i'm gonna run this video and then we're gonna come back and talk about it for a second this is the contagious billboard if you're not watching this you're missing out on a whole bunch of yawns so picture in your mind somebody yawning and then you yawn and then wanting a cup of coffee so here is the cafe pele contagious billboard So basically, if you uh, didn't see the video, it is a video of a screen inside of uh, public places like the subway. And ultimately, what it does is it—it it, uh, it, there's just a picture, a motion-detected picture or screen. So when you walk past it, or when people walk past it, the the screen, the guy on the screen yawns, and then they just filmed all these other different people yawning, and hunts, hence the contagious billboard. And then, of course, some scantily clad, beautiful women walk around with coffee on a tray and uh, to perk up your day from Café Pele. Smart, smart, smart. Very Brazilian. Very Brazilian, yes. Beautiful women. Very beautiful women. So that is the uh, Café Pele contagious billboard. Boom. See? Easy. A right. few words.
3: I like it. Okay. Our second story is a two-in-one. It's uh, it's a fundraising update, actually, for a couple of companies that uh, we've talked about in the past uh, here. First is Ubimo, uh, a uh, good LVMA member company. Love these guys. Uh, they just raised another $7.5 million. Uh, if you don't know these guys, they basically take a bunch of uh, various data points, weather information, local event information, ads uh, targeting info, kind of blend that all together, They're all location-based uh, to try and improve location ad targeting. These guys are based in Tel Aviv um, and uh, the funding round was led by Patango Venture Capital with participation from Our Crowd and Y Capital, which is the venture capital arm of Yahoo Japan. Uh, which is This is their first investment in Israel. So there you go. Yahoo Japan is now investing in Israel, people um so yeah so in total they've now raised 9.7 million dollars um it's a software as a service platform basically um and the the whole thing here is about just improving the accuracy of of uh location and targeting by blending all sorts of data sets together right so nearby venue data purchase data uh gender age uh, all that stuff kind of coming together in, in, in sort of a single mass you know cloud uh location targeting platform so really really like it um you know you can obviously get more precise when when you have more you know more data sets coming together instead of single data sets so that's the kind of goal here with the ubimo platform 7.5 million the other uh fundraising piece is autograph uh guys uh uh, that deployed beacons and Regent street uh, in, in london Uh, Rob actually uh, had an interview with these guys a little while ago, and so now they've uh, raised $2.7 million. Uh, They're actually now uh, headquartered in Seattle, uh, and uh, I don't know if that was part of helping them raise the money or uh, just expanding to the U.S., but uh, $2.7 million uh, coming from Voyager Capital and the Alliance of Angels, um, which is uh, where where the money's coming from. So there you go. and uh just just a quick update for those of you who may, may not have been watching the show before i don't know why you weren't um but uh autograph uh it's a uh, basically a beacon network to, um that uh they deploy down an entire you know like street or, or business area um and then uh consumers have an app and they improve the targeting or the um, the relevancy i'll say uh, of the uh, the targeting of the ads that you get through a technique that they call squatting S-W-O-T-I-N-G is how you spell that. Uh, And basically think of it like a short survey that you complete that kind of operates like the way Tinder works, right? So they post you a question and it's like, yes, no, you swipe left or swipe right. Um, And you basically complete a a set of uh, of quick questions and then they know a lot more about you in terms of what brands you like and and things of that such. So that's how they target you. That's what they know and, and how they drive the relevancy from this beacon network. So there you go. Two point seven million for Autograph.
1: That's a great story. And uh, Henry Lawson is the CEO. That's who I got to sit down with. um, Who's the CEO of uh, of Autograph? And so impressed with with what they've been able to do. And and they ultimately swatting is they say up to they can you know people like more questions because they feel safe. But I think he said in the interview that I did with him it was about a year ago where they could they could profile you in five questions. Yeah. But people don't feel comfortable being being lumped. We we all think we're a lot less common than we actually are. So he increased the number of questions just to make us feel better. It's a psychological thing. Yeah. We're all coming. Alright, our next story involves Apple not to be left out of the party when it comes to augmented reality or virtual reality. Now, uh, you know, Google just did Google I.O. and, and they talked about this great uh, partnership or open partnership that they're doing with uh, with GoPro and allowing you to attach basically six or seven GoPros into a sphere where it would capture everything in, an, in, in a 3D environment so you could look left and look right and play it on your YouTube video in, in your, your cardboard cutout uh, with your Android phone. So that's ultimately, you know, we, we know that there's some kind of battle brewing, and obviously, Oculus was acquired by, um, by Facebook, and not to be left out of this kind of, and then Microsoft with their augmented reality plays well. Not to be left out of this is Apple. They just bought a company called Mateo, and uh, this is literally what it says: it's a pioneering in, uh, in it's a pioneer in augmented reality and computer vision, and they've done a bunch of things with huge customers like Ferrari and IKEA, to name a few. I go back to the beginning of, basically, of the augmented reality world when it comes to this, it, when it was that scene in Fight Club that everybody so talked about when he was panning through his, his room and it was all Ikea information. Ikea that's and augmented and that's reality, that's what we're talking about now.
3: Yes, I'd like to order the Erica Pakari dust ruffles. If I saw something clever, like a little coffee table in the shape of a yin yang, I had to have it. The Klipsk personal office unit, the Hovertrack yeah. home home bike or the Yohanneshev sofa with the string green stripe pattern. Even the Rizlampa wire lamps of environmentally friendly unbleached paper. I'd flip through catalogs and wonder what kind of dining set defines me as a person. I had it all. Even the glass dishes with tiny bubbles and imperfections. Proof that they were crafted by the honest, simple, hard-working indigenous peoples of wherever.
0: I was holding.
3: We used to read pornography. Now it was the Horchow collection. And
1: uh, and ultimately, that's what these this technology enables. Now nobody's confirmed or denied this, as Apple does. But you know, uh, TechCrunch showed us some documents, some legal documents that that showed some exchange of of shares for equity in the company. Um, and then Apple posted a listing for a virtual reality job, and it's filed a. Uh, patent for one of the cardboard-like things that uh, VR headsets that uh, that Google did. That's, this is all according to TechCrunch. But this is a, a probably a, a strong play for, for Apple. They need to be involved in this. Like, who knows where this ends up, how many years down the road it ends up in their technologies, but it is something that has to probably come and play into their world. So many people doing augmented reality right now, it makes sense that Apple... Gets into this as well. So no, no, uh, I didn't see any numbers. Did you see any numbers about this, Asif? Um Just, just. Think. No, I didn't, I didn't
3: see any numbers, but um, you know, th- this this is a solid buyer right? because oh, yes. I mean, this has been around for a long time. This was one of the, this is one of the I would say one of the bigger pioneers in AR technology. Um, it actually um, I didn't know this until I read the uh, the story the other day, but uh, Mateo was actually created as a spin-off from Volkswagen. Um, it was a Volkswagen internal project. They spun it out into a, a separate company, and then they went off and started. They have over a thousand customers, um, and most of what they do is, um, you know, li- license their technology, uh, you know, to, to like as an SDK. So when they say they have a thousand customers, these are business corporate customers. Yes, yeah, for the most part, um, hundred and fifty thousand users of the platform, um, which is so, so small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, but there you go. Yeah, good move by Apple, I think. Well,
1: they also, uh, according to TechCrunch, a little bit more information here that was posted on May 28th is that they canceled their user conference in San Francisco. Uh, they took down the company's Twitter accounts. So, um, And then it also posted on its website a couple of days ago that it was ending purchase of products and subscriptions. So, you know, I think that, that ultimately this product will end... And will be brought into Apple, and then there will be no more Mateo, no more technology, except for in Apple products. Um, so, but this is this is a um, a challenge because also according to TechCrunch, the same article, they're saying that uh, uh, clients who are using Mateo are flipping out after seeing the shutdown message on the website um, because the mes- the company never let them know what was going on. So this is a um, uh, this is a weird thing, but I, I think from here I'm seeing. Some, uh, you know, basically 29, 29 million euros, but I can't read that very clearly. These are some documents. But anyways, it's a, it's a good deal for, for Apple. Apple needs to get involved in this. I, I just don't know what it... Like Apple's not interested in their 150,000 users, nor are they interested in their clients because they're probably overlapping. So anything that yep. Apple rolls out will, will probably ultimately get to those clients eventually anyways. So man, man, there oh man, go. oh man.
3: All right. Man so oh Apple man. Buys material. All right. Yeah, congrats to uh, to uh, Dr. Thomas Alt, uh, who's one of the guys over there. He's uh, had a chance to sit down with him when I was in Munich uh, about a year ago. And really, really sharp dude. So uh, yeah, so you know, congrats for those guys. All right, our fourth story. Um, we've been talking a little bit over the last couple of years now about this uh, technology that was created by Bite uh, around doing indoor location using LED light bulbs. Well, Philips and GE have been uh, hard at work manufacturing these things, and Philips announced uh, just this week that they've uh, the first major installation of this kind of uh, lighting system, this LED uh, indoor positioning system, and that is with Car4, uh, the big department store chain out of uh, out of uh, Paris, um, and so they've uh, they've got a, a store in. Uh, uh, where is it it 's in Lille uh, which is uh, in in france uh, Lille france and they 've installed two point five kilometers okay of uh, of this lighting system um, and again if you 're not familiar with this basically um, you know the led light bulbs uh, so they 're replacing this because obviously leds are more efficient in you know old school traditional uh, light bulbs and you know obviously save us save save the world um, and um you know, or or, or uh, you know, some attempt at that, and uh, at the same time, your phone can read light sensitivity through the camera lens, and so we're using these things to figure out where you are by what light bulb you're closest to in the store. Um, so that's how it works. So this store is 7,800 square foot uh, of, of store uh, of floor space. Um, they claim that the LED lighting will reduce 50% of the total cost or consumption. Um, uh, the, over the normal lighting that they would use, uh, and in total, they've uh, deployed eight hundred linear LED fixtures to cover this, uh, you know, this uh, this square footage. So this is a huge install. This is a huge store, um, and is the first big deployment of this kind of uh, LED-based location position.
1: It's finally happening. It's
3: finally yes. happening. It's finally happening. Yeah, we are. One, one thing I did. Yeah, yeah. One thing that uh, I should point out about this, because it, it is a key feature of, of the technology, is that these these light bulbs that are transmitting, so when we're talking about privacy issues, because this came up actually in one of my sessions. Uh, I've mentioned this this technology in Sweden last, last week, and somebody asked about privacy around this stuff. So this particular thing, unlike beacons or some of the beacon technologies, it's a one-way communication. So basically it pushes information from the light Bulb. Uh, your phone detects it um, through the camera lens, and then you opt in, uh, you know, on your smartphone to download the retailer's app. You have to have the retailer's app in order to participate. So.
1: Well, and now that the uh, Patriot Act uh, provisions have expired as of uh, midnight today, um, you, you know, the the government can't use that information anymore. Just go. just marketers, and I'm not sure which is worse, marketers and advertisers, or the government. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> In case anybody's listening from from the United States because we're doing this international call thing right over Skype.
3: Right. Yes, we are. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, well, uh you know, we have seen our next story involves a a cane. Uh, you know, uh, now uh, people who have uh you know who are blind who cannot see very well and use the uh, the aid of a cane to be able to walk around a street now we've seen many of these canes that have come out already that have kind of uh, ultrasound or lasers that kind of identify things around you like there's a curb there's a person there's a car there's a building there's a door but none i have ever heard of that have actually allowed you to identify people through facial recognition and that's what this cane does it uh, it's called explore xplor it's from the birmingham city university and ultimately w- what this does is it, it it stores a database of facial photos known to the user and then it's uh, stored on an internal sd card and using those face shots and facial recognition software it identifies people that are nearby in proximity that's 10 meters or 33 feet from them that is the coolest thing ever and then what happens is that it sends a notification when it spots somebody it sends a notification by vibrating the cane which is obvious and then it helps them with a built-in gps navigate towards them there was this television show back in the 70s and i have to quote from it to say what will they think of next i freaking love this man
3: it was a great show.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. These very good shows kind of inspired me, not to do this, but to do my other career. And then I chose this because media is such a growth industry right now. You know, you know what I'm saying. But um, this is this is actually they say it's not complicated. It's not expensive to make, um, and it's basically it, it's available. This is the kind of stuff that's available in smartphone technology. But why not put in the cane? Uh, it, it's very interesting. Now I would wonder um why not like I, I why not add it if you're going to wear a, a wearable like a watch or some glasses or something to that extent maybe you're not wearing you're not wearing glasses but but uh maybe you are a- add the sensory stuff inside of there and then you can start getting into like um headphones as well you know to to direct people to it but this is this is a very unique uh piece of technology to help i think a great cause this is pretty amazing it's cool don't you think eve
3: i think it's very cool very very cool Universities. Um, and you can see that, like it, it, like that kind of distance is pretty cool. Right? Thirty-three like, feet. Yeah, it's it's amazing.
1: Thirty-three feet, and then it walks you there. And then, uh, obviously, hopefully, you, you know, you're right or it's right. The facial recognition software has to be bang on. I would love to see how they do that. Do you have to hold it up like this? You know, like in front of you. And then, but you know, it's all built into the cane, and that is amazing. So this it's called the Explore Mobility Cane.
3: Okay. All right. Our sixth story, right here from Singapore. Uh, the good folks at Lenovo uh, have a new tablet uh, called the Yoga Tablet. That is spelled like you think it is, Y-O-G-A. Uh, it's actually the Yoga Tablet 2. Sorry. My bad. The Yoga <laughs> Tablet 2. Uh, and they created a campaign, an advertising campaign around this uh, tablet uh, called Light and Seek. And basically, you know, anytime you got these new new phones or new tablets or whatever, there's all these like you know they're jammed full of new, you know, technical features. And how do you kind of highlight the you know these features and try and show that this thing is is better than the one that, you know the one that came before it uh, or the competitors uh, thing out there? So what they came up with was this event basically called Light and Seek, uh, where they created a series of artworks and then projected them at 10 different locations around the city of Singapore. Um, and you'll say, what? Projected them? Yes, projected them. Because uh, their agency, who, who put this together, We Are Social, who, uh, who came up with this idea, fantastic. They wanted to uh, kind of look at raising the profile of local Singapore artists, and at the same time highlighting the you know a key technical feature of this tablet, which is, it has an integrated Pico projector. Um, and for me this is a big thing, because I, I'm a firm believer that you know, like every smartphone should have a projector in it. Um, like it, it's just you know, the Samsung had a, th- a thing called the Beam a little while ago. It never really took off, but I, I think Pico projection has a, has a big role to play in that. You know, these screens are getting smaller, but there's times when you need a bigger screen, and if you can just walk up to a wall and go boom and see a map, you know, for a few seconds that you you know be able to you know, help you navigate or just blow something up quickly. You know, I think the idea of Pico projection is interesting. And so this, this tablet has a Pico projector built in it. And so they, uh, they ran this event over, over a series of days and around different parts of the city, you know, these, these, these pieces of art were projected. What was cool about it is they also use Facebook uh, to promote the event and an Instagram account um, to reveal the content. The 10 locations were displayed on a Google map. So they've been tying all this stuff together, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Google mapping. Um, basically, you would get there, and then you would, you would tweet to a hashtag, uh, uh, hashtag light and seek. And then when you did so, it would come back with the next location on a Google map. So all of the social stuff they tie together, you know, and so on. So it's a bit of scavenger hunt, art exhibition, all around promoting the Pico projection capabilities of the Lenovo Yoga, Yoga Tablet Two. That is I good mean, stuff.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's, I, I this is a uh, so it becomes like a scavenger hunt.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's an art scavenger hunt.
1: It's an art scavenger hunt.
3: Yeah, the yoga. Tablet. So, anyhow, I'm, there's a lot of words in there. I barely got through that. <laughs> I thought I was gonna like you know pass out in the middle of it, but it was good. You you <laughs> chose Lenovo
1: Yoga tablet. Like that's hard to do when you haven't slept in 24 hours a sleep.
3: But see, I, I picked these stories before I, I just you know I knew I was gonna just be getting off a 24 hour flight, Rob. Sorry. Before
1: before I didn't know I would be sleeping through the whole episode. Mm. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So we need the coffee. All right. Well, we're almost done here, Steve. Can you believe it? We're on story number seven, and this is this is a partnership between Adnir and Roy Morgan. Uh, now, this is in Australia and New Zealand. We've talked often about right time, right place, right person, and maybe this is the deal that brings it a little closer to reality. I think that it's a buzz. It's a buzz concept. Those are all buzzwords, and I put them all into a sentence and created a buzz concept. But uh, Adnir and uh, and Roy Morgan. They've announced an exclusive partnership that enables Helix part- Personas. Now, this is Roy Morgan's Helix Personas, which the Helix Personas are a powerful consumer segmentation um, and a data integration tool. Now, this combines things like psychographic media consumption and behavioral analytics into 56 identifiable personas across seven communities. So basically, high segmentation of a market, and you take Adnears, location-based ads, and you put them together, they are now on 11 million devices across Australia and New Zealand, and for the first time, marketers may be actually able to hit the right person with the right message at the right time to create an action. This is uh, probably a, the best um, marriage you could possibly do uh, around taking good data and good location ads and a an existing network of 11 million users and throwing it out there. Pretty simple story. Pretty smart story. Um, pretty powerful stuff, though. Yeah, very powerful stuff. And, and I, I mean, I, I don't. I think that we haven't we haven't seen this. What happens as a result of this? As it's a new announcement, but uh, this is something that we should be watching. Wouldn't you say, Steve?
3: I agree. I, I think you know, we're going to see more of these kinds of partnerships, uh, you know, with all the location ad network players out there. They, you know, it's all about, you know, uh, just getting at you know, proper segmentation, demographic, psychographic, you know, pulling this stuff together, and, and then mashing that up with the location ad targeting. It's, it's relevance, right? So, um, good to see that this is going on in Australia. I'll have to check in with my guys tomorrow, in in, uh, in my meeting tomorrow from the Australian team, and see see uh, see what their thoughts are.
1: Yeah, eleven million people is nothing to like. That's that might seem like not a lot of people, but to a population like Australia or, or like Canada, uh, you know, it's a third of the population up in Canada. Yeah. So it, that's a significant number of people. So um, yeah. th- this makes sense. This this definitely makes sense. So we've got Agnir and like all Roy, of Sweden. What's it's all of Sweden exactly? It's all of Sweden. <laughs> it's all of Sweden. <laughs> yes, Agnir yeah. okay. and Roy Morgan team up in Australia and New Zealand. Smart, smart move.
3: There you go. All right. Our eighth story. I think this is a big story. This is uh, huge.
1: This is a big story. This this
3: is, yeah. So, you know, we've all used Shazam. Everybody's got Shazam on their phone. Uh, we've, we've been listening to songs and, and uh, buying them from iTunes and all of that. And we've talked about all Shazam's, you know, done in terms of taking their audio listening capability and pushing that into partnerships with Mood Media for music in stores and TV commercials and radio ads and all of that. Well, guess what? It's not just sound anymore. Now they've announced this week that they're doing visual image recognition in the same app. So this is huge. So There's now a camera icon in the app. You click on that. It it asks for permission to use your camera. You take a photo of something in a poster or, you know, a magazine ad, and it checks it against a database that they built and comes back with a call to action. So this is awesome because now it's, it, it's, it's about discovery no matter what. Now it's audio, it's, vid- it's, it's image, not video yet, image and, and audio, though, coming together. This is massive. And they launched this, obviously, not just, hey, here's a new product, check it out, but, like, with a whole bunch of launch partners. So Disney was the first uh, with a print ad for the Tomorrowland movie, Um, that just came out. Um, They've got uh, Sports Illustrated, Time Magazine, uh, Condo Nast, HarperCollins, Hearst, Dow Jones, Wall Street Journal, and on and on and on uh, as the initial partners that are around this. Uh, Warner Brothers is going to be using it Uh, for the uh, upcoming June 24th Batman Arkham Knight movie or sorry video game I should say which is is happening in Australia the launch in Australia they're using it for that so this this is crazy Um, and the core behind this uh, another one of my favorite companies is a company called Digimark Digimark is the image base you know authentication uh, platform it's actually used in currency and other things around the world and that that was the core engine, basically that's powering Shazam's image recognition. So, good partnership there. Great uh, feature set, capability here. Uh, excited to see where uh, where this can go.
1: We uh, we've always ha- had good thoughts about Shazam. Maybe I dipped a little bit, and then I started using it again because they've advanced the technology quite quite far. Uh, but this company, with its three hundred plus million user base, is a, uh, you cannot ignore this as a as an advertising platform, as the advertising platform like it, it it maybe has the second largest audience next to the Super Bowl. Like the Super Bowl yeah. is a nation unto itself and then there's then there's Shazam. This is it's crazy the power that these guys should be wielding in the advertising and marketing communities. It's crazy. But image recognition, there it is, Asif. Image recognition.
3: Yeah, it's everywhere. Oh, smart guys.
1: Smart guys. Who woulda thunk? Who woulda thunk? And on to our second last story. If you're keeping count, that is 9 out of 10. As soon as I'm finished, that'll be 90% of the way there. And then we can let us see if we get some much-needed rest. This comes from Panama City. And uh, there is an influential news show in Panama City called uh, Telemetro Reporta. And they um, were getting angry, or they took basically civic action against potholes in the city. As the city has grown, so have the potholes and the damage that potholes actually do. Now, if you're in Canada, you understand this because the winters are harsh and the potholes are huge. And the cost is expensive to replace your tires once they're dented as a result of potholes. So what do they do? They took to devices and tweeting. I'm not going to tell you any more. I'm going to let them explain it by video because they do a great job, better than I ever could. So here, Telemetro Reporta talking about the tweeting
2: pothole. It would seem that in the rush to build a modern city, Panama forgot to take care of its existing streets, creating the contradiction of modern buildings and damaged streets. Modern buildings damaged streets. And this is not amusing for the people that drive on these streets every day. The most influential news show of Panama decided to take the thoughts of these angry drivers directly to those responsible. Telemetro Reporta presents The Tweeting Pothole. Inside potholes on the busiest streets of Panama, we installed a device that every time it's run over by a vehicle, sends a complaint tweet directly to the Twitter account of the Department of Public Works. In addition, a special segment was created in the news show.
4: Desde hoy
0: hay una novedad en el noticiero y precisamente vamos a presentarla. Se trata del hueco
1: tuitero. Veamos de qué se trata.
2: We went out to the streets to get the drivers' opinions and they took this as an opportunity to share their experiences and discontent.
1: (tose) No es un hueco, es un cráter que hay
3: aquí. Todos los días tenemos que estar chisteando esto y en algún momento el carro se va a dañar aquí.
2: We also presented the complaint tweets as part of the segment.
3: Vamos a
0: ver qué otro tuit ha emitido el hueco tuitero y nos dice, denuncia al MOP de Panamá, estoy harto de que se me culpe por los accidentes ocasionados
4: por chifiar un hueco. Tapen los huecos y punto. Ahí está la etiqueta calles dignas.
2: Many people followed and participated. They didn't just take a liking to the tweeting puddle, but also took it as someone that they could interact with and would make their claims public. Not surprisingly, potholes started disappearing. The streets are being repaired. Our tweets started a solution that is currently being carried out. With this initiative, Telemetro Reporta pointed out the hassle driver's... Su- I always,
1: my, my worry there, as I was going through that, as as that I was going to call it the tweeting butthole, but I didn't. I called it the, t- the tweeting pothole. <laughs> Uh, There you go, Uh, Telemetro Reporta uh, with the tweeting pothole. You see, you can make a difference. Now, the only thing that I don't know is at the end of the video, they actually show you actually, you know, that it's been a success where they've filled in the potholes. I just don't know if they took out those little puck-like devices before they filled in the pothole, What you know. Because if I'm, if I'm a city worker and one of those is there and I have to go and fill in the pothole because of that, so many complaints on Twitter, uh, I'm, I'm going to do one of two things. I'm going to bury this the thing or I'm going to smash it. Because that's just... Smash. Anyway, I think this is innovative. We should be thinking more Wait. about this, especially in Canada. Innovative? Yeah. Tweeting? Pothole. Not butthole. Pothole.
3: Right, one more story. Carry on. Story. Our 10th story. Now... Have you ever said, like, look at all these billboards? How much are people make, you know, charging for that stuff? You know, I got a window. Why don't I stick a billboard in it and and sell my space? Well, guess what? Somebody's doing this. So over in uh, in Holland, uh, this Dutch startup called Add My Window, A D D My Window, uh, is doing exactly that. So basically, what they're doing is is they're placing um, these poster sheets, yeah, perforated sheets, uh, inside of your homes, so inside of the window, uh, that can be viewed from the outside with whatever the ad is on it, and they're they're light transparent. So basically, when, when you're inside your house, you look out the window; it pretty much looks exactly the same. But from the outside, it looks like advertising. So pretty cool, pretty nice. Um, and and basically, you can earn money by doing this. Uh, they say that a window owner can earn about uh, uh, two hundred and eighty euros or three hundred US dollars uh, in a month uh, for for doing this. And um, yeah, they've got a whole video package on what you need to do to sign up. And uh, you know, you can you can list your window, make it available uh, for for advertisers. You know, maybe businesses nearby, and. Uh, Somebody asked the obvious question, "Is this legal and uh, at least in Holland, it is because technically the posters are inside the home, not outside the home uh, and nobody can argue that you know what you 're doing with your windows inside i mean so so there you go um, add my window innovative, cool, interesting. I, that is uh, that's that's great. I,
1: I don't know how many people would want to advertise. I wonder what the going rate is for advertising in in home windows. Depends on where you are. Cause yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, mine's not too busy a street. And if I did put anything in my window, it would be slow the goddamn car down. Kids playing. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that maybe that should be like the default message. If you don't have anything to sell, it's basically rows of houses with that message: kids playing, slow down. That's what I would say. There you go. But mine would, sw- right. mine would swear a lot. So I don't think that the kids would be around my house very much. Yeah, or something about Springsteen. It would be. Springsteen is great. How is that? Springsteen is great. You know, I play this game with my kids now. Those are the top ten stories. But I play my, this game with my kids now, uh, especially Jack. And uh, what, what I do is I play like the, the first note, like the very first note of an obscure Springsteen song. And the quiz and, and whoever gets it right is my favorite son. Is that wrong?
3: No, did I do I that? That's, 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 uh, that's fantastic. It's
1: just like, hey, yeah, like whoever gets it right, it's my favorite kit. Is my favorite son, right? The other one, you can move away,
3: right? I, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, you, there's got to be a. I mean, everyone's got a favorite. You got to have a way to determine that,
1: you know. Natural selection, man. Study or get out. That's ultimately yeah. what it means. But um, yeah, I do. I do that. They 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 often get them at the same time, which is makes me very 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 proud, and makes my wife scream child abuse child abuse and i said look it's okay the car door i wasn't really going to throw them out we're only going two kilometers an hour yeah oh, yeah all right Asif. those are the top 10 stories of this week great story right, i made it and you made it yes you did I made it uh, through the power of video editing asif made it we did this over four nights right just just so you recovered and rested yeah jokes
3: jokes all right we have a guest we do we I had a chance to sit down with Trevor Longino of Contact.io, great guy, uh, great company, had uh, a pull in doing some fantastic work uh, globally with, uh, with Beacons, probably one of the biggest uh, Beacon uh, deployment companies out there, and uh, here he is, Trevor Longino. Well, it's that time of the week where we get to bring a special guest on the show on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. And uh, this week, it's my pleasure to have Trevor Longino, the head of marketing and PR for Contact.io. Trevor, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks so much, Justin.
3: It's great to have you. Uh, it's great to have you guys involved in the LBMA. Uh, you've been, uh, you know, a fantastic uh, member thus far. Uh, we're excited to be working with you and the space that you're in. So maybe just as an introduction for, you know, the three people out there who haven't heard who Contact.io is yet. Who are you guys? What do you do? Sure, Contact.io is
0: a proximity intelligence solutions company. Uh, we're one of the leading manufacturers of hardware for beacons in the space. Um, we've won number of awards from uh, people like Lyle Labs for the quality of our hardware. But we go a lot more than just making hardware. We also have a complete software stack, SDK, an API that's very robust. That really helps anyone who wants to proximity to their business have a very comprehensive solution for high quality software and hardware that combine to make however you want to do proximity very accessible to you.
3: Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a, when you look at the space, you know, from our point of view as the industry association, when you look at, you know, the world of indoor location and indoor positioning, you know, beacons being, you know, a big part of that at the moment, obviously there's Wi-Fi and, and, you know LEDs and all sorts of other technologies out there. Um, you know how are how are you sort of uh, you know within the hardware world. You know what what distinguishes you from you know the others in the industry today. How are you differentiating? You know what are your, what are your core, you know uh, you know attributes and and the problems that you're trying to solve in the industry.
0: I think one of the things that most differentiates us from anybody else in the space is our very kind of laser targeted focus at in proximity data and connect it to the cloud. So whether you talk about on the hardware side with our cloud beacon which is Wi-Fi and that combines to not only allow you to see what's going on with Wi-Fi through to the realm, but also to manage devices and to connect them all continuously with our cloud layer. Uh, We have, even from the very beginning when the company first started, we really saw Beacons as a, uh, a physical plugin for the world to connect Uh, And those very first beacons were still, they were backed up online. You were able to configure them online. And then when your smartphone device came near, these devices would allow you to uh, configure them quickly. So we've always been focused on on making what we do cloud-enabled. And on the flip side of that, uh, by taking all of our proximity data and making it cloud-enabled, we're really an enterprise business-focused company. Uh, Some of the other folks out there are selling dev kits or, or, or small batches to a whole bunch of people all over the world. But we have 10,000 clients in over 100 countries on all seven continents of the globe. And what they come to us is that we have the ability for them to, for example, sit in their main offices in New York City and configure beacons in Tokyo, know, all from that one location. As long as you're connected to the cloud with the cloud beacon or uh, through our SDK with a mobile device, it's very easy for you to maintain giant fleets, of beacon, all over the place. That's our our main differentiator, I'd say.
3: Okay, okay, I mean, that's fantastic. So, am I right to say then that, you know, you're, from a target-focused perspective in terms of customers, you know, you're, you skew better to sort of the B two B enterprise deployment than to sort of the end consumer brand. So, like, you know, you know, a retailer wouldn't come directly to you per se. You know, a another you know a supplier uh, systems integrator that's working with that retailer might work with you uh, directly.
0: Sure, uh, we work with a number of big brands. Speaking of retailers, you've got people like Tesco or J C Penney. We aren't the ones who are writing the apps and the software that are actually installed on phones. We're providing the beacons and the API and the SDK to allow someone, mobile marketing agency or someone internally in a company, to write all that software and we just provide the solution that they base it off of.
3: Fantastic. So, um, can can you give us an an example of uh, you know a deployment that you're you're really proud of? Uh, how you how you've been able to help somebody uh, specifically, uh, you know, from a customer perspective?
0: Um, we published on our
3: blog a whole lot of content discussing
0: use cases and deployments we've done. Um, two examples I can give you. One really cool one we just published a couple of weeks ago for Carrefour, which is a major yep. European retail brand. Uh, they had a a app for people in store to use to kind of keep track of what they wanted to buy and provide them with coupons and notifications. There was no proximity in it. Uh, So they took that app and put in proximity with our SDK. It's very simple. It's a couple hours of work. Integrated this in so that as you pass by certain places, you'll get contacts. You are able to begin to build profiles on what you're buying. What they found was engagement went up 400% in their app just Mm. by adding proximity. Now a number like that shows in a very provable concrete way, here's why you want proximity in your apps. Uh, Another example would be McDonald's. We did with them a deployment where we're rolling out through a loyalty application called ShopGenie. They were getting people as they entered into the McDonald's they were being pinged and told hey we have new bloody coffee drinks Would you like to try one?" And they found a 20% conversion rate when you walked in the store just to buy a blended coffee drink, which is pretty good by itself. But beyond that, what they found was a third of the people who tried a coffee drink once came back and tried it. again, they used that coupon more than one time, which means you change behaviors by influencing somebody as they come into a store at that point of proximity. There's the right context, there's the right content, and you're able to make them then change their mind and it sticks. That's a huge play. Anybody who's trying to do behavior change in marketing.
3: One thing that we that I would like to hear from you about, though, is and and we've had the pleasure of of collaborating with you uh, in the past. Is you guys have this initiative called Beacon Week, um, which is fantastic. Uh, You know, you're you're a big uh, proponent of education and and giving back to the industry uh, and sharing knowledge in the space. Tell us quickly about about Beacon Week.
0: Well, Beacon Week has been. A really great way to get out and talk to people all around the world about proximity and marketing and a whole bunch of other fields as well beyond just the retail industry. Uh, We've held events in, let me think, we London, we've got Boston, San Francisco, New York, Barcelona. Um, We have one coming up in. I'm forgetting where it is now. We we've done a whole bunch of them. I think we have one coming up in. In Berlin, in a few months, we have uh, another one. We're doing one in Krakow now, finally in our hometown. There you go. Uh, so a whole lot of these events coming around, um, and really, what they are is, Contact I/O has a lot of knowledge about how to actually do the hardware side of implementation and, and the software kind of backbone of implementation. But there are tons of fantastic use cases out there for people who are kind of at the sticky end, the guys who are actually doing deployments. And so we get some of those people, and we go, we host an event, and we have whatever chance some snacks and mix and meet. And we have usually 100, 150, sometimes more people come to these events and get to learn a whole lot about uh, what beacons are, what proximity is, why you should care. And they all get uh, a demo kit from us with two uh, Bluetooth standard smart beacons and also free access to our SDK and API so they can then develop whatever they want to. with This is kind of their first test spent to begin with. And we've had uh, a lot of great success with this. We're continuing this in the next couple of months with an online webinar series of Beacon Week because obviously having Beacon Week events in discrete physical locations in some ways very much limits your audience. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure people who are in all kinds of cities that we haven't gotten to get to go to yet uh, will have the opportunity to come be a part of this and get to learn from the same sort of experts we've been bringing to what physical events all around the world.
3: Fantastic. Well, I mean, just as the industry association, we applaud uh, that effort. We, you know, any anything, uh, you know, that's about sharing more knowledge and helping people understand, you know, the use cases around these technologies is, is great. We're happy to uh, to partner with you and support you on that initiative, and we encourage people to come out and, and be part of, uh, of Beacon Week wherever they're happening and and online now in the in the webinar format. So, last thing Thanks. I want to want you to uh, just comment on, if you could, Trevor, is. Just you know, if, if you were looking the crystal ball, 18, 24 months out, um, you know, from a, from an indoor location uh, proximity perspective, where do you see technology? What what's next? Is is it, you know, other industries outside of retail uh, that you know, retail has obviously been the, the the early adopter of this stuff. Do you see other industries starting to, to pick up this to this technology? You know, perhaps healthcare or or other other areas, uh, or is it technology itself that uh, you see as the big the big mover in the next little bit?
0: I think we're going to see changes in both. I believe that we're seeing a big growth trend in areas like museums for deployments of proximity information. We're seeing a big growth trend in um, offices and asset tracking for beacons. Uh, you don't need to worry about access management if you have a, a beacon someone actually carries physically on them. And, and then as they walk around in a space you can see What beacons is this person near? Should this person be here? Do we need to have someone from security go find this person? All kinds of opportunities there. And also high-value asset tracking. And for example, healthcare, we have hospitals who beaconized every crash cart. Mm. And then when someone codes, when you have to go find a crash cart, you can look on your tablet and see, okay, here's where the nearest crash cart is, which is in a closet down the hall and three doors to the left, and go grab it and help save lives that way. So you really do see some some new industries moving into this space as they begin to understand that a beacon is over its operational lifespan, a beacon is very close to free as far as the cost and the value that you draw out of it. Being able to say for two or three or four or five years I know where this item is, I can track it always, is is immensely useful. So I think we'll see a lot more industries adopting this but I also think the technology itself is going to be changing. There's been at least two years that I'm aware of, and possibly for longer still, people have been saying, here is a, you know, the holy grail of beacon technology, a beacon that will power itself for forever, whether it's indoor through solar panel power or doing some kind of RF harvesting or whatever this is. As time goes by and the die sizes of processors get smaller and the energy efficiency of them gets higher, we will eventually reach a point where this technology is possible. It's still not really at least a year and maybe two away from having an actual deployment of self-powered beacons. But when we get there then you will reach the point where all the really companies have a very strong reason to buy on this because one of the things we can hear from people, we're looking at deployments of 10, 15, 20,000 beacons for really big chains is right. they say, so I roll it out, but then what do I do in three years? I have to do it again. That's very expensive on the human side to have someone come by and physically put beacons on walls. I think when we see someone has made a, uh, a self-powering beacon that also has all the, the flexibility and the power and the utility that the better beacon providers nowadays have, I think that will be a really huge play. And I also think people are experimenting with some less traditional formats of beacons. Maybe there's someone who wants a beacon with really extended range, or maybe there's people who are looking for beacons that are you know, small enough that you can put them on a keychain, or however mm-hmm. it is. Yep. You're beginning to see the technology, and this is kind of like being in the early days of PCs when you had Commodore and Atari and Apple and then Trash 80 and Intellivision, all these different ways of trying to say, how do you do home computing? We're starting to see this massive proliferation of, is this device something that's useful? Maybe this format is going to be more helpful. We've experimented some with that ourselves, I and mean, then we have our, our regular smart beacon and then, Since only 2% of the world is indoors, for the remaining 98% of the world, we have the tough beacon, an outdoor beacon. We're looking at some of that too and saying, what are the use cases people need and what form factors can we fit? So that's going to be the other trend I think we see develop.
3: Fantastic. Well, um, thank you, Trevor. It's been great to uh, to get your insights and to hear a little bit about the uh, the Contact.io story. Uh, again, we've been chatting with uh, Trevor Longino, the head of marketing and PR for Contact.io. That is K O N T A K T dot i o um uh we love these guys thank you for doing beacon week thank you for doing all you do um and uh if you're looking for uh uh, if you're out there listening to this and you're looking for uh, a solution provider in this space that can give you that robustness and that flexibility in the in the fit and form of of beacon technology uh there's probably no better company than contact at IO to talk to you about that so thank you for your time appreciate it
0: thanks so much i appreciate it.
3: well Again I just want to thank Trevor for doing that and and the contact.io team for uh, supporting uh, what we're doing at the LBMA and uh, and uh, they've got a number of great events uh, I mentioned it in the uh, in the interview but they they run this thing around the world called Beacon Week with a series of events that happens in the US and in Europe um so you know keep an eye out for those things as well we promote them through the LBMA um, but uh, uh there's a lot of them going on so check it out beacon week contact.io Trevor Longino, thanks.
1: And it's spelled it spelled like K O N T A T A K T dot io, right? Contact, yes. but take out the C's and put the K's in. That's you got it. Contact dot io, thanks, Trevor. All right, Steve. So yeah. That is the show, man. Uh, we are we are gonna end it here so that uh, so that we can continue on our day, and I can get this up in a in a timely manner. Um, but know this, that it is June 1st, and I'm doing this at 9.42 a.m. Eastern Time. So whenever you get this, that's how close it is. That's how how, how quickly we turn these episodes around. Asif, um, enjoy your stay in Singapore, my friend, um, Thank and, you. and then have a safe, right safe- I'm just going to be enjoying my bed in Singapore. Exactly. I'm going to be out cold. The good thing about not sleeping for 24 hours is that it's, what, it's almost 8 o'clock there now or 9 o'clock? It's now? night. Right? So like,
3: It's like I, I should I should be tired and going to sleep. You should yeah.
1: be. Just turn the TV off, crawl into bed, and sleep, and, and you won't have any, any jet lag whatsoever.
3: And
1: yeah. Yeah.
3: Whatever. Yeah. All right. Whatever. Okay.
1: All right, folks, we'll see you next week for episode number 237. Asif will be in Toronto, probably, probably, maybe. We'll see. Yes, stuff, I will. Stop keeping up. Um, thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening, wherever you are, whatever you are doing. If you would like to reach out to us, you know how to do that. If you have some comments about the show, Rob at TV, Asif at the LBMA.com. On Twitter, Rob Woodbridge, at Asif Arcon. Please let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you'd like us to see. And we'll see you next week for 2.37. Get some sleep, my man. Later. Thanks.
3: Later.